the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, and I am joined by the Action Network's Mike Ionello. The band is back together. We made it through preseason. We made it through talking season. We made it through teams moving to different conferences. You know what? I don't care about any of that at this point because we have real games this Saturday to bet on. Mike, how are you doing? How excited are you to actually get some of those bets in, those digital slips all over the place, money flying? We did it. This is the exciting time of year. We finally did it. We're finally here. Just keep checking the app. Like, it's finally here. It's finally here. Back for our second season week zero haven't even made a bet yet and and we're already we're already bulletin board material for western kentucky they're already they're looking at our faces on dartboards every day of practice so i'm excited to be back i'm excited to be with you again shout out to the big bets on campus team that means collins stucky brett mcmurphy we all came together we previewed all 10 conferences obviously we did the heavy lifting for the g5 but the rest of the team putting it together breaking out you know divisions in the sec and the big 10 you can go through all of that in our podcast channel. You can go through wherever you find podcasts are sold. You can find us. You can also head over to YouTube and watch some of the, the video of that as well. All of those picks have also been put together into a single episode. So you can hear our, our best bets throughout the you know, summer and all the preseason odds, win totals, futures, and situational plays for September as well. I know that Colin Stuckey are bullish on a few spots early in the season. So at this point, what we want to do is we want to set the table for what the Big Bets on Campus, specifically Group of Five Deep Dive, is going to look like this season. And what that means is every single week, we're going to get into our G5 Heroes of the Week. And for the uninitiated, what that means is that every weekend, there's those players or coaches, or in some cases, officials, who end up lending a helping hand, making the big plays that make the difference, at least against the spread, that really help us you know, cash those bets. So we want to make sure to give them their proper shine. Then we transition into our uh, Group of Five Round Robin, where we go through all of our bets you know that you can put together in a round wrap for that week those five plays we also get into best bets and we wrap it all up with a g5 underdog money line parlay that means you can hit you know eight to one 15 to one 20 to one we're trying to make you know your weekend make your month all in one singular bet so with all that being said let's reel back a little bit and i'm going to start with a mea culpa the western kentucky hilltoppers the pride of the Commonwealth. Oh no! Oh no! Hell no, boy! Y'all done up and done it. Oh no! Hell no, boy! Y'all done up and done it. First of all, Western Kentucky, your fan base has come at me pretty hard on social media after we, you know, as I know, likes to say we had a heel turn there, having loved the toppers last year. Bailey Zappi leaves. Kitley leaves as the OC play caller. Jared Stearns leaves. Was the cupboard bare? Maybe we overstated a little bit. Well, 
we got hit up by just about everybody. Beat writers, alumni, Daywood Davis, starting wide receiver, hit me up. Don't worry, Daywood. I went ahead and drafted you my college fantasy their, football. Their podcast. center's mom? Their, their center's mom. There is, I mean, this is number one mom college football podcast <laughs> yeah. in the game. So it, it makes a lot of sense. But I will say this. Once Jarrett Dagey, who I was very low on, immediately, you know, tucked his tail between his legs and headed out of town. I think he's down at Troy now, or at least competing for that job, and opened it for Austin Reed. And you know how I feel about those FCS Division II JUCO transfers. I love them. D2, essential player of the year in the D2 at West Florida. He's coming in to run this offense. I'm back in on the toppers. If you can find a number south of 40 points on their team total against Austin P. This is a number that's probably going to pop on game day on Saturday. Go ahead with over on the team total. I'm back on Western Kentucky. Any apologies that you need to get out of the way to anyone in the G5 lands here, Ionella? No, I'm so confident in that under eight and a half now. (laughs) All right, let's just jump into it then. We're going to talk two G5 preseason heroes. I'm excited about two guys, both in the great state of Texas. You're probably going to see them on either the cover in small print or certainly in the actual publication. I'm talking about Dave Campbell's Texas football. If you've never been to the state of Texas, it's a huge deal. They cover both high school and college football, and they put together uh, Dave Campbell top 50. So it's the top 50 college football players in the great state of Texas. Katie Davis, the linebacker for North Texas, checking in at number five. A kid from North Texas being a top five player in the state that has so many Division I schools, so many great players, B. John Robinson, you know, just to, to name the number one player on that list. This guy's incredible. He was everywhere in Denton last year. He was an absolute hurricane of a middle linebacker, 121 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, first team all conference USA by the coaches. And the portal was looking at him really strong. I think about that Dr. Pepper commercial where you can jump into the portal. Texas A&M wanted him. Old Miss wanted him. He would have been starter on either team. He's coming back to anchor a defense that could actually be pretty good for Seth Luttrell and uh, put together a winning season again. They went six and six in the regular season, six and seven overall last year. So can they get back to a bowl game? Can they win? It's going to start with Katie Davis. Let's go to you. Who's your first G5 hero? And why are you in love with this player ahead of the season? Yeah, I'm going a positive route too. You know, for those of you who are new, sometimes our G5 hero is shining light on a star who deserves a light. And other times it's kind of tongue in cheek, poking fun. Last year, I made Scott Leffler my G5 hero of the week when he got himself tossed and Bowling Green immediately scored 28 points when he left the field. Um, but I'm, I'm going with the positive route here as well. You know, Stucky and Colin and, and Brett McMurphy put out their, their action network, you know, all American teams. Uh, last week and I immediately hit up you and I said whoa 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 we need to give the G5 some love here so we put ours out today we put ours out on Monday if you haven't seen it so I want to highlight those guys so we named me and uh, Breeze got together we named Jake Hayner our offensive player of the year Carlton Marshall from Troy linebacker our defensive player of the year probably going to break the all-time record for tackles in college football history this year and Jonah Delmas, Boise State's kicker, as our special teams player of the year. So we were probably talking about these three a lot. If you haven't read that article, go read it. Every player on that list should be a household name. I would say most of them will be playing on Sundays. So I'm just going to give a special shout out to Hayner, Marshall, and Delmas as our offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the years. I'm going to wrap it up with my second pick here, staying in the state of Texas. And as I mentioned at the top, I love a good transfer story. This guy, I'm not sure a lot of people know this. 
because he's got NFL buzz now. He was a phenomenal player in the AAC last year. By the end of the year, Auburn certainly knew all about him in that bowl game because he lit them up. Talking about Tank Dell, started at Alabama A&M, went the JUCO route, went to the Independence uh, Junior College in Kansas that was featured on Last Chance U. So he was literally down to his final strike, trying to prove that he wasn't too undersized because I think he was like 158 pounds at the time. This guy is sudden as a hiccup. 90 receptions last year, 1,300 yards, 12 TDs, also in the punt return game, over 200 yards there. And it wasn't just Auburn against Cincy, too. When you combine those two games, you know, the AAC title game against Cincy, the Auburn bowl game, 19 receptions, 302 yards, and a touchdown. Houston's a team that I'm I'm very excited to see this year. I want to see them break through right before they make them move to the Big 12. It would be an exciting story to see them run the table, potentially flirt with a college football playoff again, and in this case, at least be able to land a New Year's Six Bowl game. I'm excited about this Houston offense. Um, Clayton Toon, in particular, has his number one option bank back. Tank Dell, my G5 hero to get things started. I'm doing another group pick here. I'm grouping my second G5 hero as all of the coaches who have come out and name their starting quarterback before kickoff. Because especially in the G5, there's not a lot of national love. We don't hear, oh, how this quarterback's looking. You really have no clue. And half these quarterbacks you've never even heard of. So special shout out to all those coaches. I'm going to do this super quick. For those of you who haven't seen or aren't following as much as, you know, we are. Tanner Mordecai, SMU, knew that was coming. Jerry Bohannon, South Florida. John Reese Plumlee, UCF. That was a very interesting one. Matthew Downing at Louisiana Tech. Austin Reed, as you mentioned, is Western Kentucky. Clay Millen at Colorado State, Miles Kendrick, New Mexico, Kyle Van Treese, Georgia Southern, Chandler Fields, Louisiana, Carter Bradley, South Alabama, Ty Keys is going to be at Southern Miss, Charlie Brewer, somehow still in college football, he was named the starter at Liberty, Wiley Green was just named Rice's starter like an hour ago, and last, but certainly not least, you doubted for a second, Hayden Wolf, officially Old Dominion's quarterback, never turn your back on the Wolf Pack. Wolf in the shotgun, and he's got him, asking you shall receive, my friend, from Hayden Wolf. Well, we'll see just how many games he starts for, uh, according to Colin Wilson, the presumptive Sunbelt champions. So we'll see what Old Dominion is up to this year in the Sunbelts, uh, in the Sunbelt East, I should add, not exactly light sledding there. All right. I promise some picks here. We're at week zero. We don't have to take, talk hypothetically. You don't have to tie your money up for an entire season. You get immediate action. Let's start with a game that I have circled because I really believe, and I am banking on a low-scoring, defensive-minded battle. And for this pick here on this total, you know who we're talking about. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Texas, El Paso, this is a team that I love to hitch my wagon to because I know exactly the kind of the brand of football that they want to play. The minor defense returned seven starters from a Bradley Dale Pavito unit that finished 35th in total defense last season. Just their second top 40 finish in the last 15 years in El Paso, led by Praise Amalue, a defensive end with 13 tackles for loss last year. Absolute monster of a human being. And when you look at their front six, the way that it's constructed, all of those are returning starters. They also bring back their nickel back. This was a defense that really excelled at getting off of the field, 12th in third down conversion defense last season. And they're up against a North Texas team that clearly has a set identity. They want to run the football, but I'll get to that in a moment. When I look on the other side of the ball for UTEP, the offense completely loses its pop because it was one player, and it was Jacob Cowling, Mr. Big Play for, for the Miners. He is off to Arizona. 
So where did those big plays come from? In a, I mean, otherwise, when you look at their offense, it's Ronald Awat, it's Deion Hankins. They want to run the ball a lot. And those guys aren't the kind of 20, 30-yard chunk runners. They want to move the chains. They want to play field position. So when I flip it over, you look at a North Texas team, couldn't have been more focused on the run. Outside of the service academies, this was like the running team in all of college football last year. Fifth nationally in yards per game on the ground, but 42nd in yards per carry. Another team that doesn't do it in chunk plays on the ground. And that's when they had DeAndre Torrey. He's gone now. So when you look at what they're trying to accomplish here with Ragsdale and Adaye, I'm not sure they're going to be able to replicate the same kind of magic. And to look at this number, 55 and a half, my projections for this is 47 and a half. So a ton of point value here. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. I would play it all the way down to 53. I think the market's starting to, to bang it down a little bit. And in the offseason, if you asked me two months ago, I would say, all right, they're bringing in Grant Gunnell. You know, he's been a transfer who's been all over the map, but he's got a big arm. Maybe he changes things for them a little bit. Instead, they stick with Austin Ani. We know what he is. Nine touchdowns, nine interceptions last year. Yes, they have four stars returning on the offensive line but they are breaking in at least three new skill position players. So I just don't see this at all. I think this is a gift from the gambling gods to start the season. I know no one's excited to say, I haven't bet on college football in eight and a half months. I want to run to the, the window and throw down an under. But when you give me Katie Davis, when you give me that UTEP defense, you know, and also I'll say this, Katie Davis pairing up with Phil Bennett, a DC who's, you know, been a traveling salesman for years, but he has turned around some defenses and he did it in short order. He took a, a unit that was in the hundreds for North Texas. They got into the 60s, 70s in most metrics. I think they're only going to be better this year. And one final plug for a potential G5 hero. I'll probably be back next week talking this guy up. Tom Treeb, a Juco All-American. They end up signing this kid to anchor their defensive line on the edge. 25 tackles for loss last year. So I'm seeing a lot of negative plays for UTEP in this game, a lot of punting, and hopefully, you know, a 23-17 kind of game. Cash my first ticket. What is your thought on this Conference USA battle to start week zero? Yeah, um, I actually don't hate that at all. But because of a lot of what you said, my best bet this week, well, second best bet, actually comes from this game as well. I'm on North Texas. You know, we talked about it in the preview show. I'm actually, you know, I took a flyer in the main green to win the conference. As much as I love UTEP, I just like North Texas in the spot. You know, I'm I'm not as down on Austin on as you make it sound. You know, he's back for his fifth season at North Texas. After six seasons in the Yankees organization, uh, he'll be happily celebrating his 48th birthday next month. So happy birthday to Austin on But even as old and experienced as him, I don't I totally agree with the he is. We know what he is because. He didn't start the season as their quarterback. He didn't even take over as a starter until week five. And if you look at him last year, in his first three games, they went 0-3, and he threw six interceptions. In the next five games, they went 5-0, and and he threw one interception. He got much better as the season went on. Granted, they really started leaning on the run. They get Oscar Attaway back, who tore his ACL last spring. So they really have four really, really strong running backs. You mentioned it, four offensive line starters are back. They bring back the leading receiver, Roderick Burns. And for UTEP, yeah, they're really stout up front, but they have to replace both their corners. They have to replace both their safeties. And you mentioned it. They lose Jacob Cowing, first team all conference. They also lost Justin Harris. They lost 70% of all their catches and yards last year. These two teams just played last November. This was one of the last games of the year. North Texas won that game 20 to 17. So both if that happens again, we'll both win, which is fine with me. North Texas won on a game-winning field goal. But you look at that game, 
North Texas held AWAT to 85 yards on 17 carries. And you look at how UTEP moved the ball. Cowling had 174 yards in a touchdown in that game. He was their whole offense that game and most of the year. He's gone. Burns, who's back, had 93 yards in a touchdown against UTEP. So I love the way North Texas, too, they come into the season. UTEP lost for their final five, and I don't think they're as good as they were last year. So you tell me North Texas won by three last year. They're better. UTEP's worse. And now they're laying one. I understand it's in UTEP, but I like North Texas money line at minus 115. I think the Mean Green come out and, and they get this win. I think you've convinced me, to be honest, kind of running through all those different elements. And this was a UTEP team that was top 20 in time of possession last year. They were 17th nationally, getting the ball, holding onto it, moving the chains. As I mentioned, an effective running game, but not one that you know popped the big play. So how do they replace that? Is there an opportunity to work out any growing pains against a defense that could be pretty good by Commerce USA standards? In my opinion, probably not. So I, I do think it would be interesting in game parlay uh, with North Texas on the money line as well as the under. I think that's one way to, to go about it. I just, of all my projections in week zero and week one, this was the furthest that was off in terms of the total, almost a full eight points. So I, I think there's just too much value to pass up. All right, I'm going to go ahead and tee you up for this next game. I know that we talked off air about this. I'm dipping my toe in. I'm, you know, cautiously headed to the window. Sir, do you know what you want to bet on? And I, I sheepishly shake my head and I, I whispered uh, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt minus six. Here's the deal. I mean, Hawaii is, I'll make an analogy here. In my house between August and the beginning of April, it is college sports wall to wall. It's college football and then it's the college basketball season. The rest of the time, my wife has home renovation shows on. And this is one of those flipper flop situations where you walk in, the foundation of the house is cracked. The kitchen's a galley kitchen. All the appliances are mismatched. The, you know, the flooring looks awful. The master suite doesn't have a bathroom attached to it. It's a disaster. But potentially long-term, you know, it's in the right location. It may have some access to the waterfront. That's the Hawaii program right now. I like Timmy Chang a whole lot. I love this program. One of the most sentimental teams to me in my life was the 07, you know, Bows when they went all the way, took it to the Sugar Bowl. Who cares what happened against that Georgia team that was absolutely loaded? They won so many close games. They were always that break glass in case of emergency gambling team. Oh, no, I'm down six units on a Saturday. Is anyone still out there yet to kick off? Oh, Hawaii kicks off at 11.59 p.m. Take the over. Fantastic. All right, let me hop in with Colt Brennan and the boys. Rest in peace. So I got a lot of love for this program. And I think in time, because of the system, he wants to run that that spread, that run and shoot, kind of the throwback to the June Jones days. I think they can accomplish it, just not in one off season. And I think, you know, through the passing game, they could be okay in this game, you know, in terms of actually getting the ball back to the quarterback, getting it out to the perimeter, but their offensive line is not going to be okay. And I know that Vanderbilt is far from world beaters when it comes to generating pressure. I think they were maybe either last or second to last in the SEC in sacks generated last year. But when I look at what they're bringing back, they've experienced at all three levels of the defense. And I think just in the trenches, I, if I say trench three times, Colin Wilson just shows up like Beetlejuice. But listen, they're going to be so physical in there. I think they're going to wear down this Hawaii team. I'm surprised that this, you can still get this number out there in the market at minus six and a half. I would play it all the way up to minus nine and a half on the Commodores here. You know, they're going to steam out to Hawaii play this game, be focused, because it's it's very rare for a program like this to be served on a silver platter hope. And when you look at Vanderbilt, 
they've been hopeless for years, really. I mean, you could go all the way back to the James Franklin days. That was the last time they really believed in themselves. But you can look at this schedule, Hawaii, Elon, and Northern Illinois, and Northern Illinois always plays in close games. You could see a scenario where Vanderbilt starts three and one. So those kids have been hearing it. They've been getting positivity on the offseason. And yes, if you want to play Hawaii, in my opinion, you want to play them either at the beginning of the season or the end of the season because you, the logistical element of it, you can take so much more care in terms of turnaround time and when you get out there and practice schedules and getting on the right sleep schedule. You can do it if it's bookended of the season. And the last shout out I'll give to Colin Wilson here, he did great work last year putting together metrics for home field advantage. It is an absolute debunked myth that Hawaii has this great home field advantage. They do not. He had him ranked in the 120s in terms of, you know, the closing number against the spread and performance. And when you toss in the fact that they're playing in a practice complex that has like 9,000 seats, I, I did see on Twitter, their athletic department was trying to, to pump everybody up. It'll be an environment like you've never seen. It's like Vanderbilt plays at Bryant-Denny. They play at Jordan-Hare. They play in the swamp. Like they're going to be ready for, uh, you know, them doing the haka and getting pumped up for this game. So you know what, the more I talk about this, the more I'm excited. Talk me through a little bit of the personnel and X's and O's and why you like Vandy so much here. Well, it will be an environment they've never, they haven't seen since the COVID year when there were no fans in the stands anywhere. So <laughs> they'll, they'll be going back to that. Um, if you're if you're hesitantly tiptoeing up to the window, I'm in the back rolling my eyes saying, get out of the way so I can place this bet on Vanderbilt. I love this bet. I bet it live on the show when, when Colin was talking about it. And the more I read about it, the more I loved it. Um, if you listen to that, you know, Mountain West preview, you know, I'm very down on Hawaii this year. Love Timmy Chang, but unless he honestly, if he was suiting up at 40, I'd be a little more worried about my Vanderbilt bet. Um, but there was such a mass exodus from the island after Todd Graham killed their love and passion for football. Their words, not mine. They said that's what his players said about him. They lost their quarterback, running backs, receivers, linebackers, corners. They have just five returning starters, three on offense, two on defense. Still don't know who their quarterback is. You know, could be Cam and Cooper, could be Braden Schrager. The fact that Cooper, who's a Washington State transfer, hasn't won the job is a little jarring considering Braden Schrager was horrible last year. <laughs> um, they lose eight of their top 10 tacklers for a defense that was 113th in the country. And, you know, yeah, okay, Vanderbilt's not great, but, you know, they also haven't named their quarterback, but at least theirs, it's like, okay, I think it's going to be Mike Wright. He was much better than Ken Seals. Um, eight touchdowns, six picks. He's also very mobile, which I love. Um, every single running back that had a carry for Vanderbilt is back. Uh, leading rusher, Rocco Griffin's back. And you mentioned that Colin Wilson wrote that piece uh, about the biggest TARP discrepancies in week zero. Bandy returned 75% of TARP on both sides of the ball. The Commodores returned 72% of their pressures. Hawaii returns just 44% of their O-line snaps. Vandy is going to live in this backfield. And on the flip side, they bring back 70% uh, of their passes defended, and Hawaii loses their entire passing attack. I, I don't know how Hawaii is going to score here. And, you know, Vandy is going to dominate the trenches, trenches and they're just going to run it down Hawaii's throat. And, and like I said, I don't know how Hawaii scores. And – you mentioned the home field advantage myth. I looked it up. Over the last seven years, teams are 27, 12, and 2 against the spread in Hawaii. It's people just, the numbers are always low because the public is just like, the public still sees Colt Brennan and they still see that, oh, you're going to the island, you're going to the island. And it's, 
easy and the, the numbers get inflated and teams just cover with ease against them. And, you know, I'm not a huge trends better typically, but if you are, SEC teams are seven and one against Hawaii all time and they're three and one on the island. So at the end of the day, Vandy's trash, but they're an SEC team going up against what's essentially Hawaii's like backups because all their starters left. So I'm pretty confident. I'm with you. I'll take it to nine and a half. I got it at six and a half. And I love, love Vanderbilt in this spot. <laughs> I also think it's a question of getting the attention of 18 to 22 year olds where when you're going to Hawaii from Tennessee, everyone's like, okay, that's a huge deal. We need to prepare. There's a time change. There's long flights. Like no one's sweeping that under the rug. I'm more worried situationally when it's like a West coast team playing at like a 10 AM body clock game, you know, in the Midwest or something like that. those situations can be a little sneakier, but Hawaii, it's just like, it's, it's all they've been talking about for six months. So, I mean, as, as soon as the offseason program started. So I agree with you. I, I think we're, I, you've now fortified my belief in the Commodores here. And if there was ever a time to get on the bandwagon, now is the time. And I certainly know it was so much ill will thrown towards Northern Illinois for taking so many victories away from our staff last fall. There could be some interest on Vanderbilt, maybe catching some points against Northern Illinois. We'll see how they look in early September. Maybe they end up actually being a favorite in that game. Andy might go over their team total two and a half by October 1st. It's an interesting possibility. All right. I have exhausted the picks on the board that I like. You know, there's probably going to be some player props that I may get into on game day when they pop. As I mentioned, Western Kentucky, if I can get 38, 39, just shy of 40, I'll go over on the team total. But that's it. I, I don't want to get, you know, too, too ahead of my skis here with week one just around the corner and so many games going from Thursday to Monday. But is there anything else on this board that you like? I'd, I'd love to kind of kick the tires on maybe one more option. Yeah, I hate to do this, but I do have one more bet. I know we're trying to, you know, start the new season. We're all happy-go-lucky. We're trying to gain new listeners. If this is your first time listening, I'm, I apologize if this is your last. But what better way to start the year than, you know, maybe you worked a summer job this summer. Let you go ahead and you got the money burning in your pocket. Go ahead and throw it away. We're taking UConn. It's like 27 and a half. I'm really hoping it gets to 28 as if the hook's going to matter when it comes to UConn. But we're, we're hoping for the 28. You know, Jim Mora takes over as a head coach, former Falcons head coach, Seahawks head coach, UCLA head coach, Taquan Roberson's their new quarterback, former four-star from Penn State. They, uh, they bring in Will Knight, who's a Juco transfer running back. They still have Nathan Carter from last year. They bring back their top four receivers. They add Nigel Fitzgerald from Old Dominion. The defense, you know, brings back Jackson Mitchell, who's pretty good. They added some decent transfers. They added a transfer from Kentucky, you know, one from Texas Tech. Utah State got super lucky last year. We know that. We've talked about that in our Mountain West preview. They lose Devin Tompkins, who is the nation's second leading receiver. They lose their top three wideouts. They lose four of their top five linebackers. And at the end of the day, Utah State didn't really blow teams out last year. You know, look at those teams that are kind of power rated similarly to UConn, you know, at the bottom. They beat UNLV by four. They beat New Mexico State by 22. They beat New Mexico by 25. You know, yeah, UConn's not going to win, but they can lose by 25 and still cover the spread. So if this hits 28, I may be forced to take the Huskies. I don't want to do it, but at some point you have to say it's week zero and I'm betting on UConn football. 
I'm actually hearing something come through my earpiece here. It sounds like our producer's letting us know that the last time an Action Network employee advocated for betting on UConn, it resulted in the reception of this voicemail. Justin from Reading. Yo, stuck. If I listen to you one more time on anything involving UConn, I'm coming after you. Take it easy. This is, this is a tough one to get behind. Um, I'm trying to, to figure out the thought process. Yes, Devin Tompkins, not at Utah State. He was Mr. Big Play for them last year. Down the stretch, they did blow out San Jose State. Shockingly, they blew out San Diego State, you know, and their great defense in the Mountain West Championship game. But I agree with you. They clearly had a motive to take their foot off the accelerator against some of the lousy teams they played. So I do get that to a certain degree. I also look at it in terms of, you know, their quarterback depth. They probably want to get some snaps behind Logan Bonner in this game. So I don't necessarily see him playing the full four quarters either. UConn on paper should be a little bit better. And if their quarterback play takes that big leap, then yeah. So maybe, you know what, I'll go ahead and, and think about this on the first half line, taking two touchdowns. If I can get the full 14 points in the first half, I think that may be a consideration Here's an important question. We have we may have to do a little bit more research before we fully lock in this bet. Does Jim Mora have the Randy Etzel contract where he gets bonuses for like winning the turnover <laughs> battle or kicking the longest field goal or eating eating his pizza the fastest or calling the most time, his timeouts the quickest? If he has these little cheapy bonuses, then UConn is incentivized to keep playing late. And even if they're down 25 and Jim Mora knows he only needs one more sack, and then he has more sacks than the other team, which was a legitimate bonus Randy Etzel used to get. UConn's going to be playing in the final whistle because that's 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 money in their coach's pocket. That was the best Easter egg I think we found last year in the podcast. That was absolutely incredible that that was a real thing. I'm not going to be joining you on this bet. I, I, I've, really, I've really tried to give it the, the full weight of the podcast, but I can't do it. We want to make sure that we don't scare people off from what we're going to get into. It's not all the dregs. It's not going to be all New Mexico, UConn. All right. So we do have some nice picks here. We're getting you started into the season. We feel really good, I think, about that UTEP-New Mexico game. Great breakdown from you, Ionello, on why, you know, this is probably the spot to get back on the Seth Luttrell bandwagon. Let's just hope all of our listeners can find stadium so we can watch that 24 to 10 North Texas win. God willing. All right. So that gets us started here in week zero for the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This has been the Cooper 5 Deep Dive. A shout out to all of our listeners. Subscribe, like, you know, refer to a friend, refer to an enemy. We want to get as many listeners as we can this season. Really start to, to get the juices flowing. And for all of those week zero picks that go into even further depth, Colin Wilson and Stucky are going to be dropping the week zero preview in, by the time you listen to this, about 36 hours. So make sure to check your feeds for that. Ionello, we did it. We're back in the saddle. Hopefully we can deliver a couple of winners. We'll have upwards of 10 picks for week one going all through G5 land. Really excited to be back here with you.